Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Under the Fig Tree Podcast. My name is Troy. And I'm Bruce. And we welcome you today. Thank you for joining us. I want to give you a little bit of background first. Under the fig tree, there's a phrase that's used a couple times in Scripture. We see it in 1 Kings, uh, where, where every man was able to sleep under his own fig tree. And it gives us a, a picture of the rest of God. It gives us the peace of God, the picture of the peace of God. Mm-hmm. Then we also see in John chapter 1, verse 48, Jesus encounters Nathaniel, and he says to him, I saw you under the fig tree. Right. What the Jewish rabbis used to do is they would use that phrase to describe being in prayer and being in meditation. So you can look at it as Jesus saying, look, Nathaniel, I literally saw you in prayer. I saw you yeah. in meditation. Wow. And we thought that was a pretty cool name, a pretty cool phrase to use for our podcast. So, Troy, tell our listeners a little bit about how we came to deciding to do an actual podcast. Okay. So you guys got started before me. Um, There's a group of guys that used to get on the phone call in the mornings or throughout the day, really. And uh, whoever was on was just on, and they would just talk about life, and they would talk about Scripture, and they would talk, I mean, a little bit about everything. Somebody gave me the number one day. I jumped into the conversation. Everybody made me feel welcome. I think that's a couple years ago now. Yeah. This is pretty much the way I start my commute in the morning. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes it's just two of us. Sometimes it's three of us. Sometimes it can, you know, get up in number which is fine. But in the process of that, a lot of revelation comes out through those conversations just on the phone. And it's just a group of guys talking. Yeah. Group of men talking, which we don't do. Men just don't do that. Well, we don't do it often enough (laughs) during those conversations. Somebody had mentioned, we got to find a way (laughs) to get this out to people. We need to record these conversations. We need to. So we figured, you know, it's about that time now. Yeah. Go ahead and package it into a, a nice little podcast and put this out there to see if it would benefit the body of Christ the way it has benefited Sure, us. sure. And certainly I can say from a personal perspective, it really has enriched my life, man. I've always been a little bit of a loner, you know, and I consider myself a bit of an introvert who God has called to do a bunch of extrovert type stuff. <laughs> it makes sense, <laughs> That's, <right>? that's kind of <laughs> how I would describe myself. And so, you know, to be able to hook up with some brothers, man, and be comfortable enough to talk about life was and still is invaluable to me personally. Troy, when you start talking about, hey, man, we should probably, let, let's just do a podcast. I was all in as soon as you mentioned it because I know what just having regular conversations with other solid brothers in Christ has done for me personally. So I'm glad to be here. Be quite honest, man. It's been beneficial for me, but I love the fact that these aren't just phone conversations, that we actually visit one another yeah. and we, you know, get together and we yeah. do things. Yeah, we do life not, together. And not just ministry things. Like you said, we do life together. That's a wonderful thing. So I know today I just want to, you know, kind of invite the people into the conversations that sure. we have. And we'll get started talking about something that's near and dear to both of us. And I, <laughs> I believe over the past few weeks, we've talked about it off and on. It's some place that God has you digging deeper into. Yeah. And, and at the same time, you have me digging deeper into it. In fact, we're teaching it on a weekly basis now on our Bible study, but it's Ephesians 4, and mm-hmm. it's where we start talking about what we call the fivefold ministry. Just wanted to open that up for conversation and, and capture your thoughts on it, and that way we can share that with our listeners. Well, you know, Troy, you're absolutely right. It's something that you and I have been talking about for a few weeks. It's something, you know, my wife and I have been in ministry for just over 35 years. 
And it's so interesting, man, how God processes you because everything is about relationship. I can remember a time when I would spend these, it wasn't, I don't want to sound negative, but I would spend these grueling hours <laughs> trying to put together messages as a young pastor, wanting to cross every T and dot every I. Right. And I remember my father God saying to me one day, so clearly I heard his voice. He said, son, you don't study to preach. You study to live. And if you study to live, you'll always have something to preach. I love it. Love it. And it completely shifted it. Number one, it lifted all kinds of weight off of me. Right. You know, but it also shifted our ministry. And that was many years ago. And so we've come to this place now where our understanding of Ephesians 4 in particular, we're talking Ephesians 4 because this is where the Bible says, if you're following within your Bible, I'm at Ephesians 4 verse 11. And the he in here is obviously Jesus. It says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Uh, verse 12 says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And I want to stop there for a minute. We're going to go down a few more verses, but I want to stop there for a minute to make this point. Troy, you said when you first started out, what we call, you use the term, what we call the fivefold ministry. Right. Well, you know, we, we all understand there are certain terms that we use in Christendom that don't actually exist in the Bible itself. Right. That's one of them. So I tend to say simply because I, I kind of consider myself a bit of a word purist, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I won't beat you up if you use, you know, some of what we might call Christianese. That's fine. But I like to understand things. I like to understand words. And so I'm that guy that will go a little deeper and I'm far from a Greek theologian or anything <laughs> like that. But I do like digging a little deeper beyond the surface, right. you know. And so when I looked at this, I'm like, wow, okay, we call it fivefold ministry. And certain things came to mind, mm -hmm. like a manifold of an automobile engine and how it's made. Manifold. Mm -hmm. It's it's many folded. Many folded. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's made in such a way to produce power when it gets finally comes out of the exhaust pipe. And so I get to thinking about all that kind of stuff like that, right? So when I think of how these five gifts or these five offices that Jesus gave the body of Christ came to be called fivefold ministry, it takes me someplace and I'm thinking, okay, then that means that one should be layered on top of the other one and connected to the <laughs> other one right. and connected to the other one. So that at the end, you have this exhaust that is now driving the vehicle forward. Now, without getting too deep with it, but I think like this. So I think about vehicles. I dream a lot. Mm -hmm. And anyone who dreams a lot, and if you get into the prophetic and that kind of thing, most people kind of understand that vehicles and dreams many times has to do with your life calling or maybe your ministry calling, that kind of thing. Right. So I'm pulling all this stuff together in my mind, right? Over the last couple few years, we've been talking about it for the past few weeks, right. but really for, for my wife and I, it's been over the past, past few years that we've been digging into Ephesians 4. Mm -hmm. And so... This is Jesus who has given the body apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's interesting in the King James Version, the word some, S-O-M-E, if you look it up, it actually means surely, certainly, 
When you're looking at Ephesians 4, I know one of the words that you came up with before, and I'll give it some context. Again, training people for the work of the ministry. Right. And then there was a word that you came up. uh, I'm not sure if you came up with it or if God gave you that, but it was warehousing. Yes. So talk about warehousing real quick. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, you know, I was hanging out with the Lord one day, a little background. And I really strongly felt like the Lord said, you know, many of my pastors kind of see themselves as warehouse managers. And immediately when the Lord said that to me, I got this visual and it almost broke my heart because I got a visual of a huge warehouse with these widgets, you know, that were on shelves as high as the shelves could go. And it's like I could see an individual holding a clipboard and going through every so often and counting the widgets on the shelf. But the thing that I saw when God said that to me also was that the widgets were getting old and rusty because they weren't being used. Right. And it broke my heart, man, because that's so much lower than what the pastors in particular are called to do. And so going back to manifold, going back to what we now call these five gifts or these five offices, we call them five-fold ministry. And so once again, for me, I get the visual of them being layered, them being connected and layered one on top of the other and actually working together. That to me is evident in verse 12 for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We have five offices. We have one job description. All of us are supposed to be doing, those of us who are called to what we call the fivefold ministry, are supposed to be doing the same thing in the way that your office functions or that your office works. Correct. And that's what we teach is when we start teaching the fivefold ministry. One thing I ask the question all the time, what is the job of the prophet and you get all kind of answers. Right. What's the job of the apostle? You get all kind of, right. And then I have to go, let's go back to scripture. This is the job of the prophet. This is the job of the apostle. The teacher, the pastor is for the perfecting of the saints. Exactly. So that you can equip the body so that the body can go out and do the work. It's not just so, so you, the evangelist does the work. You teach the people so they can go out and do the work. Troy, you say this all the time. I've heard you say this for almost, I guess, as long as we've known each other, I've heard you say this, that you're always looking for your replacement. Always. You're always spying out and scoping out the people that connect with you guys and your ministry and that kind of thing and and that are functional in some of the ministry that you do, that you guys do, that you're always looking for your replacement. Always. I personally believe when I read Ephesians 4, verse 12 in particular, that that's how every apostle, every prophet, every evangelist, every pastor, and every teacher should have their eyes set, always looking for their replacement. Mm -hmm. Who is my successor? Who is my successor? Absolutely. And honestly, that's not even about you going from pastor to bishop. Can I touch that for a minute? (laughs) That's not even about you going from pastor to bishop or going from apostle to chief glory carrier or something. (laughs) That's not even what we're talking about. We know that that happens. Anyway, I won't delve into that, but that's not what we're talking about. Even when we talk about 
finding your successor. We're simply talking about, okay, now they don't have to rely on me for this because I've helped raise up someone else that can do the same thing. Absolutely. And now I can go and train somebody else and then get them up and running. And then I can now go and train somebody else and get them up and running. And I think there are some poor pastors out there, man. I mean, I really feel for them. I really feel for them because they are sincere in what they're attempting to do. Correct. But some of them are wearing themselves out because they weren't designed to be the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher to their congregation. And that's what the congregation is pulling on them for. Exactly. So, you know, that kind of leads to this point, too. Looking at this passage, we get all these gifts from Christ. And matter of fact, when we're teaching this, one of the things that we teach is you have those spiritual gifts that are given by Holy Spirit. Yes. Outlined in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. Yes. But that's different than this. Yes. These are gifts specifically for the body. Yes. Not for the world. Yes. These are gifts for the body. Exactly. And and the purpose of these gifts is to build up the body. Yes. In looking at that, I think it's important to kind of keep leaders focused on not just adding numbers. Right. But actually growing your people. Yeah. Or the people, yeah. I should say. Yeah. Don't be a warehouse manager. Yeah. If I can just say it very bluntly, you know, don't be a warehouse manager. I think you see that more so with the pastors, but we, I don't want pastors to think we're just picking on them. Generalities, right. You, you know what I'm saying? Because I think the same thing can happen with apostles, with prophets, with, Absolutely. with evangelists and teachers. Don't be warehouse managers. Don't be counters right. of people. I had the very interesting privilege a few years ago to sit in a room with several leaders in the city that we're in and declare the word of the Lord to them. And it was so interesting because there were several things that the Lord had given me to say to these leaders, okay? Mm -hmm. There was a couple of bishops in the room and a couple other type people. One of the main things that I felt the Lord wanted me to say to them was, the people are mine, they're not yours. Right. It was a very strong word, mm -hmm. but I humbly submitted it to these well-established leaders in our city. Right. And I said, listen, you know, guys, I believe that I'm hearing from God, and I believe the Lord says to tell you that the people are mine, they're not yours, and that I will move the people as I see fit. Right. And it was so interesting because I'm talking to maybe 12, I guess about 12 or 14 leaders, and they all just stared at me. <laughs> you know, they all just stared at me. It was crickets. <laughs> and so then this one leader bows his head and he says, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and break the silence and say that I was just having this conversation with God. And so this bishop, he says, you know what, I'm going to break the silence, and I just got to say, I know this brother's hearing from God because I just had this conversation with the Lord because we've had a major shift in our ministry, and a lot of people have left for whatever reason. And I said to the Lord, this is what the bishop is saying in the meeting. Mm -hmm. He says, I said to the Lord, God, what's ha what happened to all my people? He said, and the Lord said to me, they're not your people. They're my people. And so it was a great moment, you know, for me because I was a little nervous. You have to do what you do in love. Absolutely. You have to do it in love. If you can't do it in love, then you're not the one to do it. So I went not with this, I got this word from the Lord and you better listen to me right. or, or else. You, no, I went low, man. And so it was a great moment for me to be kind of justified in the fact that, okay, I really did hear from God. Yeah. But that's the thing that we're dealing with. You can't be a warehouse manager 
You have to be a trainer. You have to take those people off the shelves. Don't be concerned with whether they're 2 or 20 or 200 or 2,000. Make sure that you are using them in the capacity that they were designed for. We were all designed to do a particular thing. So for me, that's why the warehouse or manufacturing analogy really works, because we were designed by God to do a particular thing. Absolutely. Let's look at this point. Looking at the fivefold ministry or what we call the fivefold ministry, considering that all these gifts were given to us by Christ. Yeah. All at the same time, there are some within the body of Christ that do believe because we have the entire Bible now. Yeah that the prophet and the apostle are no longer necessary, which now out of the five gifts, or if you want to say four gifts, because some classify the pastor and the teacher as the same gift as whatever you want to do. But out of those, we pretty much operating either off of three or off of two, (laughs) depending on which one you subscribe to. Which one you subscribe to. So what do you say to that? I would respectfully disagree with people who believe that. And for this very, very, very simple reason. We just read it. We just read it in Ephesians 4 that he gave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, he gave. Not me, not you, not them, not him, not her. He, the he in here is Jesus. Correct. So Jesus is the one who decided with the Father that this is how we will go forward in this new thing called Christianity. This is how we will develop the people. This is how we will cause this to be what we want it to be. Let's give apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So unless someone can bring me to scripture and verse in context, let me say that again. Unless someone (laughs) can bring me and show me scripture and verse in context, context. it's extremely important that it's within context then I just respectfully disagree that the apostles and the prophets are not needed today when Jesus was and still is the ultimate apostle, the ultimate prophet, the ultimate evangelist, the ultimate pastor and teacher. So that's how I would answer that, Troy. One of the things that you're a very personable individual. I consider myself an introvert, but I like people. Right. I mean, I really, really like people. I'm just a very private person. But it's so funny because God then calls you to do all this wild stuff, you know, <laughs> where you're always having to be up in front of people. And when you're doing this stuff and you and I do a lot of stuff together, uh, you not just you and I, but our wives together, the four of us do a lot of stuff together, man. And it's it's wonderful. I just believe that the gift to the body of Christ cannot be mitigated down to what certain individuals think it should be. Or that it's not. I think you have to stay pure where the word of God is concerned and read it and don't try to change it and don't try to make it something else. Where the Bible says that Jesus gave these five gifts, offices, whatever you want to call them, then you have to show me the scripture where he took them back or where he ended them. And I just haven't found that in the word. In fact, one of the things that we do see in scripture, the gifts of God are without repentance. So... Yeah. Uh, if he gives you something, he meant for you to have it. He meant for you to use it. That's exactly if right. He doesn't take it back. I would lean on that scripture because these are gifts. Yes. When we look here in Ephesians 4, we know that to be the case, these are gifts from Christ himself. From Jesus Christ himself, himself. Gave us these gifts. 
and I think he meant for us to use them and to maximize the potential of the gift. And you know what, Troy, the other thing I would ask is, verse 12, it says, for the perfecting. I'm reading out of the King James, so that word perfecting literally means to completely furnish or equip. Right. So then my question would be, as pertaining to these five offices, I'll call them offices for a moment, as pertaining to these five offices that Jesus himself gave the body, can we say that we are completely equipped? Right. Can we say today that we are functioning at such a high level in our prospective ministries that we could, without a doubt, say that we have been completely equipped? And until that happens. And until that happens. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So when you look at the word perfecting, it's talking about to be completely furnished. So my question once again would be to anyone who thinks that the apostles are no longer, that the prophets are no longer needed. My simple question would be, so then the body is so equipped at this point, <laughs> right? so well furnished at this point that we don't need the apostles still and the prophets still, I think is obvious. The answer is obviously no. Obviously. Which, which means that there's still something, there's still a job for those two particular offices to function in, and that is to raise up others. That's what verse 12 says, to raise up others. Now, if you don't mind, Troy, I'd like to dig into verse 13 sure. since we're here. As we continue to read, verse 13 says, till we all come. Let me kind of read into that. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then it says in verse 13, till we all come. Now, I always say this. I really believe this. We've been in ministry, my wife and I, for some 35 years just a little bit over 35 years, and I've seen some, not all, there are great ministers of the, of the gospel out within the body of Christ. But we've seen some who tend to read the beginning of verse 13, till we all come, they tend to read it as, till y'all come. Right. <laughs> as if we've already arrived. Those of us who have answered the call to what we call fivefold ministry, as if we've already arrived, and that's not the case. As I continue to read, it says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So here, Jesus Christ gave the five gifts with the intent of us using them to train people to do the work of the ministry with the intent of all of us coming to the fullness of the stature right. of Jesus Christ. He says, hey, I'm going back to the Father. I've done my part. I'm <laughs> going to sit down, right? You know, I'm going to watch this thing and manage this thing, and I'm going to help you via the Holy Spirit, but I'm expecting you to become the fullness of me in the earth, right? And so we can't look at the scripture till we all come. We can't look at it as till y'all come as if we've already arrived. Correct. It simply means that I cannot be the fullness. I believe I'm called to the office of the prophet. I know I am actually. I can't be the fullness of that without you being the fullness of what you're called to. Correct. Without Jane being the fullness of what she's called to. Without Ben being the fullness of what he's called to. And so to me, this is most important because everybody or so many people today within the body of Christ are looking for, honestly looking for the great awakening. And they're looking for revival. 
but how do we get there? You know, if things aren't in order, things have to be in order. You can't put the cart in front of the horse. No, That's an can't. old saying. You and I both are military men. And so we understand what it means to do one first and right. do two next. Right. And do three, you know, and then do four. And because we were trained to do that. And though we may not even understand, many times I didn't understand, oh, man, why do we have to do this? But my trainer understood, and I just had to be willing to do it having enlisted in that service. So here we've enlisted into the body of Christ, right? And the Bible uses several scriptures that have to kind of give the analogy of being a good soldier. So apparently this is how God thinks about it. Right. Being a good soldier, you've enlisted into the body of Christ. You've enlisted into the family of God. You've enlisted into the army of the Lord. And therefore, A is A, B is B, C is C. Don't try to change it because you didn't originate it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just, just follow. And I love that point. Following down through this is just a very rich passage of scripture. There's so much that you can get out of it. Verse 13 hasn't been fulfilled in the body. Then how can? Then how do we only need three <laughs> right. and not five? Right. And I really think it's because the, the function is probably better than, than office, but the function of the apostle yeah. and the function of the prophet is so misunderstood. Sure. In fact, the function of the prophet has been so perverted by some. Yes. <laughs> no, that's real. Because of that, people are kind of standoffish about it kind of afraid of it to some degree. And that's pastors, man. I mean, pastors aren't the only ones, but I think when you say that, the first thing, the first people that come to mind are these precious pastors Mm -hmm. who are trying their best. They have the love of God in their hearts for the people. Right. And sincerely are trying to not lose anybody along the way. Right. But this is just my heart on it and my the way that I see things. I think that you're supposed to lose people along the way. Lose doesn't have to be a negative thing. It doesn't. You lose people along the way because you trained them up and brought them into a place of maturity and they should be expected to go on. I have a son. I have a son and a daughter. For my son, I expected my son to at some point say, Dad, I'm a man now. Thank you. I have to go get my own place, (laughs) do my own thing. I expect that. Right. Something would have broken down in the system if my son, and God bless you if you have, you know, this is a tough time and I know so I'm not picking at anybody, but I'm just saying in general it would be sort of kind of a breakdown in the system if my 40-year-old son was still expecting me to wake him up in the morning to get ready for work or school or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Something has broken down in the system. And that becomes very problematic. Very problematic. <laughs> becomes very problematic. <laughs> I want to do this real quick before we close, just going down through this passage again. 14. So yeah. you have your job description, like you call it a job description, all the way back up in verse 12. You have the job description. But while we get down to 14, by the time we get to 14, mm-hmm. it's showing us the end result. Yes. When all this stuff is done properly. Yeah, man. Is that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind and doctrine. When the church operates as it should, going back to that training center. Yeah. And you're having the people being trained up and equipped, properly equipped so they can go out and do the work of the ministry. Yes. The end result of that, when that is done correctly and properly and completely, is that we don't 
basically fall for the banana in the tailpipe anymore. Right. <laughs> it's basically what it is, is that people can't come to you with things that are not in Scripture, that are not in the heart of God, right. and then try to preach that to you, and you accept that that's not going to happen because now that you've been equipped, you've been properly equipped, you've been properly trained, you understand the heart of God. Yes. You understand what God's Word says concerning things. And if you don't understand it, you know where to go get it. Yes. And I think you become less dependent on a person. Yes. Far less dependent on a person or trained a certain way. Yes. And that would be the end result of all this. And also (laughs) being able to speak the truth in love. Yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I say is speaking the truth in love is completely different than loving to speak the truth. Oh, boy. Some people just love to speak the truth, Mm. but can't do it in love. Mm. You not only understand the heart of God, but then now you start to display it Yeah, by being able to speak. Yeah, it might be a hard word, but there's a way that you do it. Yes. And then there's a way that you don't do yeah, it. That's right. And I think that's what kind of buttons up this whole thing Yeah, that we're perfected through the training. Yes. By the gifts that God has given us. Yeah. No longer do we fall for the banana in the tailpipe. That's right. And now we're able <laughs> to express the heart of God to other people in the way that he would want us to display that, it. That's exactly right. I agree with that 100%, man. Finishing out that passage, verse 14, it says, and I'll just start over, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Listen, by whom? By the slight of men. Do you know what that word slight literally means? It means the dice player, <laughs> the gambler, who many times will cheat on unsuspecting people, right? They're gambling. They're telling you stuff. They're saying stuff. So how do you know? Let me finish that. uh, By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Mm -hmm. The only way that one can be deceived is by that one not actually knowing the truth. Correct. If I know the truth, it will be way more difficult for someone to bring that deception to me and me fall for it Mm -hmm. if I actually know the truth. And so what I see here is there's a settling. There's a settling that God expects in my heart, in your heart, in the heart of his people that no, 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 no. I'm not falling for that. (laughs) I know better than that. You know, I'm not, I, 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 I know better than that. But Troy, I always say this, Paul made a statement. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Right. I love that statement because when I heard that, it caused the question to come up in my heart. And the question was, how do I do that if I don't know what it looks like to follow Christ? Right. How do I follow you as you follow Christ if I don't know what it looks like to follow Christ? Mm -hmm. And so many people will use that. And if you listen to how people say it, it's easy to understand that their definition of that scripture is follow me blindly. That's not what Paul was saying. No, that's not at all what Paul was saying. Paul was making the point. I think he was talking to Timothy. If I remember correct, I could be wrong about that, but he was making the point I'm following Christ. I'm watching him. You come alongside me and watch me watch him and we'll watch him together and keep following him together. That's what that scripture means. So we're not talking about following somebody blindly. That's what gets so many people in trouble. And so then when human beings fail you, 
which is fairly regular. Fairly, fairly. It happens. Fair, it happens you know, <laughs> when human beings, no, no matter how hard they try not to, we are prone to fail each other. Sure. Even where the gifts are the con- concern, the Bible says we have these gifts in earth and <laughs> vessels. vessels. So we're prone to fail each other. So then if I don't come into this thing with the right attitude and the right mindset that my eyes can't be so focused on my apostle or my prophet or my evangelist or my pastor or my teacher, but I with them will grow together to fulfill the call of God on my life, to help them fulfill the call of God on their life. And all of a sudden we're standing tall in the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ in the earth, man. That's it. That's what it's about. That's it. So you started again at 14, Mm -hmm. that we should no longer be children. That we should no longer be children. Spiritual maturity. That's exactly right. Is the end result. So then we can say that training, spiritual maturity is the end result of proper training proper training within the body of Christ. I believe so. Oh boy. That's good stuff right so. there. That's good stuff. <laughs> it took us 40 minutes to get there. <laughs> it took us 40 minutes. to get to that. That's good stuff, man. Oh, you got to remember this though in our churches and in the body today, it's not about adding up numbers. It's not, I don't have anything against large churches. Uh, I don't have anything against small churches. I don't have anything against medium sized churches. The key is bring people into spiritual maturity. Yes. If you bring them into spiritual maturity, then you're growing. That's exactly right. If you're not bringing them into spiritual maturity, your church is not growing. You're only adding up numbers. Yeah. So spiritual maturity is the end result. If you add two people a week, if you add five people a week and you bring them into spiritual maturity, you're growing. Yeah. If you add a thousand people a week, but you don't have any mechanisms in place to bring people into spiritual maturity. Yeah. All you're doing is adding numbers. You're not growing. Yeah. This has been a lot of fun today. Number one out the way. <laughs> Ephesians Amen. 4 in a nutshell. Yeah. And we will see you guys next time under the fig tree.